Welcome to the Water Tower Hour. I am your host, Tim Regan, Head of Business Development at Water Tower Research. In today's episode, we're going to talk about a company called Jaguar Health Inc., which is committed to discovering, developing, and commercializing plant-based prescription medicine for urgent global health needs. The stock trades on the NASDAQ under the ticker JAGX. You can learn more about the company at jaguar.health or we're going to watertowerresearch.com and clicking on the company's tab and scrolling down to the Jaguar Health Inc. page. To dive into the company today, I'm joined by two special guests. First, the Senior Life Sciences Analyst at Water Tower Research, Sally Yonkis. Sally, welcome to the show and thanks for joining. Hi, okay, thanks. Thanks, Lisa. Welcome. Um, and we also have Lisa Conti, Founder, CEO, President, and Director of Jaguar Health. Lisa, mm -hmm. we appreciate you being here as well. Oh, thanks, Tim and Sally. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for the invite. Sure. Oh, of course, of course. Um, so, Lisa... I think a good place to start for our audience is maybe why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and yeah. how you came to founding Jaguar. Sure. Well, well, thank you. A question from history. So my science is um, business and my background, I'm sorry, my background is business and science. And I was working in venture capital about 34 years ago when mm. I went on vacation and I was climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. And mm. about halfway up, the person I was climbing with was terribly altitude sick. And there was this makeshift pharmacy in the middle of the mountain on top of the vertical bog and um th there was this green goop coming out and it was a light bulb moment like why not look at traditional medicines plants that have been utilized in man for thousands of years to look for products drugs that could be demystified and come into Western tra traditional medicine and be more likely to yield a compound, a drug that was safe and effective because it comes from a plant that was in man for thousands of years. And from that light bulb moment, I came home and I founded founded the company. And we that was our basic enabling technology that we have followed through to today, looking at traditional medicines to be to do more efficient drug discovery and development. That's amazing. Thank you for that. It's, a, it's a really interesting. That's probably the best founder background genesis story we've heard so far. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. We, we appreciate that. And um, and it did lead to where we are today, too, um, where there's only about one in 2000 companies that we have found from our research that have gone from their basic enabling technology, not in licensing, basic enabling technology to taking a product all the way through to FDA approval. And through that discovery process and prioritization, we did discover, develop, and now commercialize Profelomer. And it is plant-based and it is organic and it's sustainably harvested from the rainforest and it's fair trade. And it is an FDA approved drug. And it's currently on the market for diarrhea in adults living with HIV AIDS on antiretroviral therapy, non-infectious diarrhea. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, I and uh, the brand name for Crophalifar is Mitezi. Is that correct? Right. So the active ingredient is Crophalmer, and the brand name for the HIV indication is Mitezi. Absolutely. Okay. Um, maybe we could start with um. You know, let's touch on the commercial success with Mitezi. Um, when was it launched in this indication? And um. You know, yeah, it, it was a, it was it was it was approved in it was approved on December thirty first. I remember that day, December thirty oh, first, okay. two thousand twelve, for the HIV indication. The HIV market 
is a specialty market. It's very important. It was fast-tracked and priority reviewed by the FDA. And that's why it is the first indication that we sought approval for. But another word for specialty is a relatively small market. And what's really wonderful is crofelomer is a pipeline within a product. And there's multiple follow-on indications, patient populations with really important neglected needs that we are developing the product for. The one that is the most furthest along that is very exciting to us right now is for prophylaxis in cancer therapy related diarrhea, particularly from targeted therapies. Mm -hmm. And we are literally weeks away, just weeks away from the reveal of the top line data, the results from this pivotal trial that with success would allow us to expand the indication for which we can educate and promote and provide Profelomer, um, and it is the Mitesi formulation. And the reason why it's so exciting, you know, for all the patient benefit reasons and the innovative mechanism of action and paradigm shifting approach is that we have been in the planning and execution and implementation of this clinical trial for six years. And the conclusion now is coming right at a time when the market is really, really beaten down for biotech. So we really feel that this could be transformative in bringing recognition to the importance of this product, of our drug development approach, and in particular, the need in this patient population. No, it's fascinating. I think it, it, timing is everything. And I think for you, this has been a, a long road, but it's been one that uh, with the ups and downs, hopefully this is the turning point for a longer uh, investment trend within the market. And I really do appreciate how you're thinking about it as well. Thank you. Thank you. And, and it's just so rewarding to, you know, that one of the things that we learned in HIV is the importance, we all learned this in the pharmaceutical industry, the importance of the patient voice and not just in approving advertising or promotional materials, but getting involved in the regulatory process, getting involved in the trial design, the endpoint definition. And absolutely, we have embraced that in, in the cancer patient voice, as we did with the HIV, people living with HIV AIDS as well. Well, um, so I guess in this next indication in the oncology um, indication, I imagine, I mean, I, I'd like your estimate, it, it I would think it's a much bigger market than the HIV um, market, you know, for those patients on retroviral, antiretroviral therapy. C could you compare the size of the two markets roughly? If you yeah. know, even. Yeah. I appreciate that. There's a lot of different ways to think about the, the size of this market. One is we're talking about in this trial, which is called the on-target trial. So the pivotal trial for cancer is called on-target and it's prophylaxis. So every oh. patient who is on targeted therapy and the enrollment criteria is all solid tumors on targeted therapy that has more than 50% diarrhea in its label. There's about 25 different agents out there, targeted agents that have more than 50% diarrhea in their label. Patient can be with or without traditional cytotoxic chemotherapy. Mm -hmm. So there you have a much larger opportunity to benefit patients in terms of never having to deal with the diarrhea or severe diarrhea or, you know, a, a decreased rate of diarrhea from the start. And that's very important because the data shows, third-party research shows that about 40% of cancer patients will go off their targeted therapy. They'll go off their life-saving therapy uh, because, or, or go to a subtherapeutic dose because of the side effect of uh -huh. diarrhea. 
And now you're talking about the potential to have an impact on the outcome of the cancer therapy. So that's one reason. Another reason is there's about 1.8 million people diagnosed with cancer each year in the United States. You got about 1.1 that are on some sort of chemotherapy. So when you think about prophylaxis and the emergence of more and more targeted therapies, potentially every single one of these patients is a candidate or to be a candidate for the prophylaxis with um, mitesi subject to uh, regulatory approval, which is subject to success in this pivotal on target trial that's going on right now. And then another way that we think about it, we don't put out um, financial projections at the moment, but if we look at the chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting market, that is a prophylaxis market, typically for the first three days in cytotoxic chemotherapy. And that's about a $4 billion market around the um, world. What is currently being used to treat those patients for that indication? For chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting? Yeah, yeah. What's... There, there's, a, there's a number of products. There's basically two different mechanistic approaches. And for certain reg regimens of chemo, in the guidelines, mm -hmm. when the chemo is prescribed, the the uh, anti-nausea medicine is prescribed, oh, you know, right. based okay. on the guidelines, yeah. which is a model of where we need to get with prophelin yeah. when mm -hmm. we have approval. Okay. And, um, you know, so agents that are used for about the first three days of cytotoxic traditional chemotherapy, which is typically around six months or so, compared to something that's used in targeted therapy every single day for a year in a curative situation for the rest of the patient's life in a metastatic situation. So we're talking about a much more dramatic need and utilization. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that it's the time where you really have the emergence and you're hearing the metastatic patient voice, because with these fabulous breakthroughs in, in cancer therapy, metastatic patient is not dying and they they have a lot to say and they don't want to just exist if they're going to be on these targeted therapies for the rest of their life they want to be able to resume their living and uh, one of the patient's advocates just put it so beautifully jill feldman she said think of it like a pebble in in your shoe you know could you live with a pebble in your shoe for a day or a week sure but for the rest of your life and there's so many pebbles, potentially there's nausea, there's diarrhea, there's neuropathy, there's fatigue, you know, so can we make cancer suck a bit less by taking the gastrointestinal distress and taking that off the table? Um, I guess on that subject, then, um, what side effects of any have you seen in my tesi, you know, in the HIV population right now? I mean, I know it being plant-based I mean, intuitively, it seems like there would be fewer side effects, but I'm just curious, what what AEs have you seen? So we haven't seen a profile different than placebo in oh. thousands of patients of clinical trials. And okay. I believe the reason is, as I described this mechanism of action, it's really paradigm shifting. So it is an oral product, but it's locally acting in the gut, meaning you take it, goes uh -huh. into the intestine, and what it does, it's a chloride channel ion modulator. Otherwise, think of it as normalizing gut function. So as you have ions flowing actively into the gut, water comes in based on osmosis, and that's the watery diarrhea, the secretory diarrhea. What profelomer does is it normalizes this, this ion flow, normalizes water flow, and now you're specifically 
mitigating the dehydration, you're bringing watery stools into form stools. And because we're not an opioid, if you think of Imodium and Loperamide, these are opioids okay. that essentially work by the mechanism of constipation. constipation. So you don't have the risk of constipation, you don't have the loopiness. So this paradigm shifting approach should just bring gut function back to normal function, allows Profella to be used safely, in complicated patients where you don't want to interfere with their life-saving therapy and where you don't want to interfere with other activity that's going on in, in the gut. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Um, I guess, um, are you, I mean, currently, um, are you marketing this by yourself or do you have a commercial marketing partner? So for the current HIV indication, which is the only indication to which we can, and of course, yeah. to which we do educate and promote, we have our own sales force. We have about yeah. 12 people on the commercial side. Mm -hmm. And we are really the, the keeper, as I mentioned, of the messaging and the patient voice. And that is something that we will we will keep as we move into the cancer area. This okay. is the only trial, pivotal trial, in the cancer patient population which with such a strong input from patient voice. So as I mentioned, oh. we did a survey mm -hmm. before we did the trial, just define the trial and define the endpoints, what would be meaningful to the patient, what would be clinically meaningful in terms of prevention of diarrhea, um, bringing the patient back to normal gut function or keeping them in normal gut function. Mm -hmm. That was incorporated into the communications that went back and forth with the FDA for over a year in defining the endpoints. It's patient reported outcomes as the primary endpoint. So, mm -hmm. and we're gonna continue with that patient voice all the way through with success in the trial, as we file for regulatory approval, as we bring the, bring the product into education and promotion to the market. What we are seeking and have said publicly for some time is a corporate partnership to help with additional feet on the ground, additional access into the way drugs are educated and promoted in the U.S. So for the, you know, extend the Salesforce capability that we have. Mm -hmm. And we have made the decision to not consummate a partnership until we have the data out, the top uh, line data out on this pivotal trial, which is yeah, a couple of weeks away, just a couple oh, really? of weeks okay. away. The top line data coming soon. That's good to know. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense to hold back on engaging a marketing partner until you have, you know, good solid data to, you know, get a good, you know, a good partnership rate. But oncology is a much, you know, chemotherapy is a much bigger market than the HIV AIDS population. Yeah, yeah. The number of patients, the neglected need, and as I said, because prophylaxis, you know, all patients are a candidate. Whereas eligible, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And then where do we, where do we stand right now with the oncology indication? You know, where is it in the pipeline timeline? And, you know, when can we expect more information out of that world? Yeah, so we have two, two parallel paths we can think about, sort of the um, regulatory pathway and then the scientific community pathway. So top line data, as I mentioned, will come out in the next couple of weeks. And that will be, you know, 
what the investor community needs to see, but we don't want to preempt our opportunity pre to present at scientific conferences. So we're already expected and already have been accepted for a poster at San Antonio Breast Cancer Conference. And oh, that's excellent. in the beginning of December. Excellent. So we'll, we'll be Great. there. And because the study incorporates the opportunity for all solid tumors, breast cancer is a very important population within the trial, but not the only population within the mm -hmm. trial. So there'll be additional conferences throughout 2024. And obviously, ASCO will be an important aspiration with success in the trial in May of 2024. A parallel pathway and, and so I look at that as, you know, the gift that just keeps giving because there's a rich, rich database and a lot of scientific information that we'll be able to get out into the publication community. On the regulatory pathway, we will, this is a trial that's being done with crofelomer in the same formulation, the same dose as Mitesi. So mm -hmm. the product is already approved. Okay, so. Crofelomer is approved right now for a chronic indication. So we have chronic safety, for example, completed. We don't need to worry about any more drug-drug interaction studies because the drug is locally acting. We don't. We already have two-year carcinogenicity. So all that's done. We also obviously have a full supply chain in place from a tree growing in the rainforest to a bottle in any pharmacy, any specialty pharmacy that we select in the United States right now. So that is done. And CMC manufacturing hmm. and safety are often the two most common reasons why new drug applications get pushed back or get delayed. So what we're looking for here is the statistical significance to the satisfaction of the regulatory agency to be able to expand the indication of MITESI to include cancer prophylaxis. Hmm. Um, we would, with the top line data coming out in the next couple of weeks, we would aim for a supplemental new drug application for MITESI around the end of the year, beginning of 2024. We would be prepared to commercialize and have product available mid-2024 so that when there is success with a regulatory filing, we would immediately be able to have product right. available. And again, Products already in the system, product with the label for HIV is already in the specialty pharmacy system. That's great. Okay. Um, do you have do you have plans for any other indications in humans beyond um, oncology? I mean, I know that's a yeah. very big market itself, but yes, it's it's a big undertaking for a small company. And we can't do everything, but we we are doing we've prioritized two pipeline indications. So in addition, to the prophylaxis and cancer targeted therapy, we are pursuing intestinal failure of short bowel syndrome oh, oh, right, and good. congenital diarrheal disease, rare diseases, orphan indications. There are many companies, as you know, which have a strategy focused on orphaned indications. Okay. We don't have a company strategy, but our company strategy focused on pipeline and follow-on indications for profelomer has brought us into that world. And we now have orphan designation for short bowel syndrome, intestinal oh. failure, and a rare um, congenital diarrheal disease with intestinal failure called MVID, microbialis inclusion disease, in both the U.S. and Europe. Good. And in addition to pursuing those clinical indications, which are very important, third-party analysis puts this market opportunity at 
five to twelve billion dollars, which gets you a, a feel for the neglected need here. These chronically ill, catastrophic situations where patients are living on parenteral nutrition every single day of their life. In Europe, with a neglected need like this, there is an opportunity for early patient access, reimbursed early patient access based on published proof of concept data. And we have six different proof of concept efforts moving forward on three different continents for intestinal failure from both Tropel syndrome and MVID that hopefully with success would lead to revenue generation in 2024 in Europe where we have a commercial footprint and coincident with the revenue generation we would expect to see from MITESI with success for the cancer indication as well. So that's why we feel these two clinical events literally around the corner are potentially transformative in terms of value recognition for a Jaguar. And hopefully Jaguar can be a leader in the industry in helping all the boats rise here yeah. and, and recognize how important these clinical breakthroughs are. And they take a long time to get there. And we are, you know, in some sense, fortunate that our clinical trials, which started years and years ago, are coming to conclusion this year. Okay, excellent. Um, I guess, um, you know, as we wrap up, um, let's just, you know, focus as, as investors analyze the opportunity with you. Um, what do you think really sets you apart from, you know, the other drug development companies, you know, focusing in this area? I mean, I believe it's sort of a sort of to wrap up everything that we've discussed. It's the fact that we do have these late stage clinical events where with success, there's a direct line through the regulatory approvals to the patient benefit. Everything comes down to benefiting the patient. If you, if you really focus on what their needs are, and um, as I said, in particularly the, the metastatic patient on these targeted therapies that are wonderful for life-giving, but do have some you know, one of the, the two most insulting words that I've heard many patient advocates say is tolerable toxicity. No, it's not a tolerable toxicity. Right. So can we can we address and make those toxicities go away? And then in uh, intestinal failure, these are patients, as I said, who live on parenteral nutrition every day of their life, all sorts of complications. If you, it's so rewarding if you can just do anything to make their life more beneficial. And the end point in those types of studies is reduction of parental nutrition by about 15 to 20%. So we focus on the patient needs and then ultimately that's gonna bring value to all the stakeholders in the company, including the shareholders of the company. And we recognize that, well, it's really tough being in this industry right now. There's great opportunity for those who are participating now to, to see the rewards, both in terms of patient satisfaction and financial rewards as well. Excellent. That's, that's a wonderful summary, Lisa. And it's honestly been a great introduction for our audience to Jaguar Health. And I want to thank you both for being here today. Um, I'm really excited about the next couple of weeks and we're going to be following you closely and we'll definitely have to do an update uh, probably early in the new year for all our investors who are listening in the audience. Absolutely. I'd be thrilled to do it. My favorite topic to talk about. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, well, we'll uh, I'll so be for the data when it comes out soon. Yep. Oh, yeah. We're very excited about it. So I want to say a special thanks to the producers of our podcast, Joy Malone, Jesse Redman, and Nick Ford, 
Our editors are Nick Ford and Mohamed Dabdoud. Uh, we will be back next week with another in-depth interview, this time with the CEO of Dolphin Entertainment, Bill O'Dowd. You don't want to miss that one as well. Uh, thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. and We'll see you all next week. The views expressed in this podcast may not necessarily reflect the views of Water Tower Research LLC, aka WTR, and are provided for information purposes only. The Water Tower Hour may not be distributed or reproduced without written consent of Water Tower Research. It should not be considered research nor recommendation. WTR is an investor relations firm, not a licensed broker dealer, broker, broker dealer, market maker, investment bank, underwriter, or investment advisor. Additional disclaimers can be found at Water Tower Research.